What if ethical decision making is not always black and white? What if one day you are in a position where you are faced with an ethical dilemma in your job? Wouldn't you want to be as prepared as possible to do the right thing? The Banking and Finance Oath was founded to raise the ethical standards of the financial services industry. And through this podcast series, you will learn directly from industry leaders discussing complex ethical decisions that they had to make during their careers. We will also discuss the role of ethics in finance more broadly and ask our guests for advice on leading an ethical life. We hope you enjoy Ethics in Financial Services. Hello listeners, my name is Alex and as one of the 2019 Young Ambassadors, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the official Banking and Finance Oath podcast. I do indeed have a special guest of whom I'll introduce shortly. We'll be exploring a time when a well-respected senior leader within our industry has faced a challenging situation and how they overcame such dilemma. This series of podcasts will be most beneficial for young leaders within our banking and finance industry as you will discover what senior leaders reflected and succeeded with when faced with these dilemmas. It is without a doubt that young leaders within our industry will come across difficult situations within their careers uh, where an ethical decision and or action will need to be taken. Now I am delighted to introduce our special guest, Craig Robertson, uh, the General Manager of the Anti-Money Laundering and Counter-Terrorist Financing Division of Bank of Queensland. It is of note to mention Craig's past experience, such as the Head of Financial Crime Threat Mitigation for HSBC, and international experience in both Canada and also South Korea with FATF. For those that don't know FATF, it's the Financial Action Task Force Training and Research Institute, whom of course focus on the implementation of legal, regulatory and operational measures for combating money laundering, terrorist financing and other related threats to the integrity of the international financial system. Very reputable organisation, no doubt. Now, Craig, is it true that you were living in South Korea uh, during a time of the heightened tensions with Obviously, North Korea. Yeah, that's right, Alex. So I was over there with uh, with my family at the time. So <laughs> a very interesting time, both professionally yep. and personally. And as you say, there was uh, during that period of time around 2017. Yes, there was uh, lots of tensions between not just uh, North and South, as has been for a long time, but other countries who were involved in in that uh, political landscape as well. So, yeah, very interesting time to be challenging yourself and living in that uh, new environment. Oh, no doubt. And obviously would have impacted work, even for FATF, you were working for at the time. Definitely, yeah. Look, uh, one of the pieces of work we were doing at the time to help countries understand problems in the uh, financial crime space was around proliferation financing. So that seemed like a very topical thing to be working on in a geographic location (laughs) such as South Korea. Absolutely. (laughs) No, that's very interesting. Perhaps we can touch base on this later on uh, within the podcast. Indeed. Um, Firstly, thank you very much for participating in this episode. It is greatly appreciated by myself, the young ambassadors, and obviously uh, our listeners uh, during this podcast. I'm sure you have a situation in your career that comes to mind where you have faced a difficult situation and a tough decision or action had to be made. Uh, I will ask you if you could please describe that situation that you faced, uh, what year that it occurred, and if you were in a position of leadership at the time. Yeah, definitely, Alex. Yeah, one of the area I thought about for this was around managing financial crime risk. It seems a highly relevant thing for me that's been my career. And in the last uh, probably three years working in the financial sector side of managing financial crime, I think the topic around 
the exit of customers is the bit that I wanted to explore today. And particularly in the Australian landscape, which over the last uh, few years from a financial services perspective has had a a heavy spotlight, obviously, on conduct and the like. Mm -hmm. And I think the other component that, that becomes relevant for exiting customers is about putting the customer at the heart of your decisions. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think this is a different, the flip side of banking obviously is in risk. You know, everything that's involved in retail, it's very easy, obviously, it's much easier for the staff uh, to place the customer first and at the forefront of everything that we do. But in risk, we do have that challenge where obviously the customer is, you know, in some instances, most instances, is not doing the right thing and how do we exit them correctly and obviously the best way for them um, and doing that right as well. And that's obviously always forever going to be one of the biggest challenges and um, be one of the biggest debates, I think, in our area of banking. Yeah, definitely. Sure. And to go to your question about the ethical dilemma side of it, I think it's really around about in a role such as mine and those who work in financial crime teams yep. within banks, it's about upholding the bank's appetite for certain risk and for things like money laundering, terrorism financing, fraud and the like, there is no appetite for that. Absolutely. But then it's about balancing coming to the right judgments about a customer's behaviours mm-hmm. from a financial transactional perspective and other information that, that might come to light and making the right call about how to treat that customer fairly, investigate the findings that you have. And if you do reach that conclusion that there is a financial crime risk that's presented, that the decision that you might take, and that's not in every case, but the ones that that, that is the result, that the exit is the right decision for that customer and in relation to the bank's appetite for financial crime risk. Absolutely, and of course, the greater community as well. Um, and he's an individual person, of course, yeah. Yeah, there's the two sides to that, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the make the right decision, and if you have a properly identified financial crime risk, you can see that there's an, an extension of benefit to the community by identifying that and Beyond just the the exit of a customer, there's the reporting of that information to authorities, which is relevant here in Australia and and other countries, which then contributes to uh, law enforcement and other authorities being able to look at protecting communities, keeping them safe. On the other side of it, making the right decisions about giving customers the right access to financial services and, again, going back to that point about treating them fairly and considering all the perspectives that are at hand when you're trying to judge is there financial crime here or not. That's right, exactly. Actually, what I will ask, is there a, perhaps a specific situation you might have had in your career, don't have to name a company or any time like that, where you've had to make, I guess, I guess a very difficult decision where you, you did have to think on the customer's side and obviously the bank side and have to weigh up, you know, both sides. Is there a situation that perhaps may stand out? Yeah, look, there's probably one for each in terms of one that ended in an exit and one that ended up in not taking that decision. Yeah. Uh, maybe start with that one first in the sense that all the information that was available to the team who worked on financial crime at face value, there, there was the presence of tax havens, there was the movement of circular funds. Mm-hmm. And for those who are listening to this and are familiar with some of the red flag indicators, those, those would stand out amongst others in the mm-hmm. case. But the important thing was that as a financial crime area, we worked with the business area to further understand those concerns. And we actually got direct engagement from the customer information provided to us about what those funds were used for. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to satisfy ourselves that we, in fact, could mitigate the financial crime risks and continue the relationship with that particular customer. And in, in fact, as a result, got a much better understanding of that person's financial dealings and businesses, etc., which, uh, which for me is an upside. Absolutely. On the other side, like that, <laughs> there's been numerous difficult conversations, and that probably goes to the somewhat the ethical question that we're trying to address yes. here where we've come to the conclusion that 
financial crime risk is present. Many of, say, those sort of red flag indicators, as they're called, have been present. And it does result then in that recommendation. And sometimes working with a, say, a relationship manager who's dealt with that customer, and I can think of a particular case where the relationship went back six or seven years. And so exiting that customer was a really tricky situation. But again, it comes back to it was the right decision in terms of the bank's appetite. We did an extensive investigation and understood the circumstances. And so in my view, even though it was a negative for that customer, we achieved the right outcome. That's right. I think that's, that is about the outcome. And you've got to think as well, it's about the greater community um, as well. So I think that's, that's the big hindsight. Rather than what the impact of the bank is, I guess, especially for a relationship manager, that's always going to be that debate. The end, the end result should always be for the greater community and for the greater good. Um, it's almost like we shouldn't be having that sort of conversation with a relationship manager whether to keep them or not. If we've identified a risk, a strong risk, again, at the end of the day, it's for the greater community. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I think for uh, everyone, everyone's a banker in the context of working for That's banks, right. but for those who manage the customers directly, I, I've seen some really good responses to these types of situations where it's a learning process and understanding what financial crime looks like. And that's a, that's a growth piece, I think, for, for everybody at that point as well. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Now... With that, with, of course, the benefit of hindsight, uh, is there anything that you could have done to prepare yourself for such a situation? I guess on that touching on note of, I guess, both sides from when we've actually, you know, kept them and obviously exited uh, the customer. From where you were back then to now, um, is there anything that you have learned from that situation that you now implement, um, let's say, today that obviously makes you, your job a lot easier? Yeah, I think there is, and for me, the context, as you talked about in your introduction, like I have worked in what I call different sides of the table in financial crime over my Mm. career so far. There's been law enforcement, regulation, international organisations like FATF, where I was in uh, South Korea, and obviously the financial services sector itself. Um, And what I, something I introduced when I first came to that table, that side of the table, financial services, and I I do it here as well, is that we, we pause and consider um, that we have actually asked all the questions that we should ask when we're investigating financial crime. Yes. And we will also review our decisions in a consensus approach, just bringing in different perspectives to say, did we really bottom that one out in the right way and did we explore all the, the appropriate investigative steps? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's always you know a high degree of rigour around those investigation processes, but I think it's about, as you would in any situation where you're making an assessment, giving people the opportunity in the teams that have been in my financial crime areas to think uh, about different perspectives. So we're always looking at things from a potentially negative aspect, That's like right. we're looking for the financial mm-hmm. crime risk. But we also need to be able to adjust our thinking and in that true sort of critical analysis piece, be able to think about, or well, how else could I explain this? And if I talk to the customer or through their relationship manager, talk to the customer, what could I understand more about their behaviours and for me, that brings a personal element into it. And that's, that's yes. why it's a really big focus for me. Because you can look at patterns on transactions and you can identify things that look risky or suspicious. But it's the behaviours that drive that, which is the human element to it, yep. that you can't tell from that piece of paper. You can certainly make a lot of judgments from that. And sometimes yep. it is very clear. But again, being fair to customers and being fair to humans, so you, you give them the opportunity to explain why they did those particular transactions or yep. conducted the transactions in a particular way. That's probably the, the main thing I've picked up and it's about, again, keeping um, in mind that we're offering financial services and we really need to understand things correctly before we make decisions that lead to 
things like exits of customers that might relate to a lack of appetite for that activity. Absolutely. No, that's honestly greatly appreciated. Um, for sh- thank you very much uh, for sharing those stories um, with myself and our listeners. Um, I tell you what, the, device, uh, the advice that you have given is invaluable and no doubt would create thought and guidance of whom who is listening and for obviously the young aspiring leaders of our industry as well. And obviously this podcast is a great channel for that. Now, I would like to uh, move on to a broader line of questions surrounding our industry as a whole. Um, it'd be very interesting to know your opinion on uh, some of these facts that are here. Um, so banking and finance and insurance is perceived as the least ethical sector of Australia's economy. According to a new survey from the uh, Governance Institute of Australia, based on data um, from more than 1,000 people, the survey found Australians thought our society as a whole was somewhat ethical um, while delivering the lowest ratings to banking and finance and the corporate sector and the media. Would you agree or would you understand perhaps why the people of Australia or the ones who are engaged in the survey would think so low of this sort of industry? Does that... Does that stand out? You can understand why? Yeah, look, I would think that probably what's been over the last, uh, say, three years in the Australian environment around financial services, uh, from the world and the lens that I'm looking at it from anti-money laundering, there's been significant findings about uh, deficiencies in in programs of quite large organisations in the banking and finance sector, gaming sector and and others. And you couple that with a very detailed spotlight on the sector, as I mentioned towards the start of the podcast, around conduct in the Royal Commission into banking um, and uh, and other financial services here in Australia, that that has to impact public confidence in some of the sectors beyond other views that people would hold themselves from their own experiences. And I guess there's always a balance between like those conducts that are being exposed and uh, are now being dealt with and all the good things that financial service providers do too, right? Like there's, as you mentioned, there's certainly... Um, the benefit to communities in having financial services available and offered to them. Mm-hmm. So there is both sides of the equation in that sense, but you can understand and I can understand while in uh, the recent times, surveys of public would certainly dent um, the definitely. opinions you know, for, for the sector. That was definitely, um, and it's quite obvious after the Royal Commission that, that it's in the hindsight of, I guess, for customers that, it's going to take a long time to earn the respect and trust back from the community, um, especially from the banks. Um, but I think we're gradually working now. I think a lot of um, problems are being identified and a lot of changes are happening. So I think there is light at the end of the tunnel. We think we just got to, we just got to stick in there and do what's right, obviously. Yeah, and um, just to pick up, you, mean, you mentioned yes. trust, and I think that's critical to all of this, right? So mm-hmm. whether you're talking about financial crime um, that both you and I are working in, um, whether you're talking about other parts of financial services or just the functions within a in a bank, if you're if you're conducting your way in which that you build trust internally with stakeholders, externally with customers and other people that you deal with outside the bank, that that should be underpinned by doing things with the right interests at heart and then making the right decisions in the context of frameworks around things like what is within the appetite of risk for a bank and, and the like. And so for me, those things should while some decisions that people might be the subject to won't always agree with, still be couched in the in the terms of fairness. Absolutely. Uh, 100% agree. But look, Craig, thank you very much for your insight into that inquiry. Uh, but now finally, before we finish, is there a quick piece of advice that you would like to give our listeners in regards to making ethically right decisions when times are hard or when faced with a difficult dilemma? Yeah, look, I think 
consistent with what we've been talking about. It's about taking all perspectives on board um, and considering that if you want to be fair to someone in making a decision, and I think this would apply across the board, look at all the different angles. Make sure that there's no um, bias that's put towards that decision that's being made. And if you're thinking about bringing in those perspectives, however you gather them from others, others who are not in the area of domain expertise perhaps that you work in, whether it's engaging externally directly with a customer in the context of, of what you're doing, putting all those things together and aligning it to the values of your organisation are probably the key things that should be almost like that sense check for people to say, have I done all of that? And do all of those things make sense and add up? Yep. Generally, you should add land in the right spot in terms of making an ethical call. That was a great response. Thank you very much. Now, Craig, we have we have gone to time. Craig, it has been an absolute pleasure. And again, the advice you have given is invaluable, especially to myself, uh, to my listeners, and of course, the other young ambassadors. I hope your listeners have enjoyed this podcast and have gained something from this. Have a great day, everyone, and signing off, Alex. Alex.